Hello and welcome to Career Move Secrets, a brand new podcast for active job seekers and the career minded. In each episode, I'll interview a special guest from my global network. Guests will include seasoned recruiters, experienced hiring managers from companies big and small, and successful individuals who have developed great careers through making great career moves. My aim is to uncover and share my guests' unique perspectives, their insights, and their insider advice on job searching, interviewing, and career enhancement. My name is Tony Talbot, and I've been working in the recruitment industry as an international headhunter for over 20 years. I'm the creator of CareerMoveSecrets.com, a step-by-step online course for job seekers that I designed to be the ultimate guide to getting hired in the hidden job market. I will add my perspective to the conversation, and together with my guests, we hope to provide some genuine, actionable insider advice that will help you execute your next career move. Thanks for joining us today. Welcome to episode 12 of Career Move Secrets, and today's guest is Benjamin Roberts. Benjamin is the director of Kickers.com, and he's been involved in the recruitment industry for around about 16 years now, uh, mostly in the internal talent acquisition space, where he has been such things as chief talent officer worldwide for Saatchi and Saatchi, and he's based in Singapore. Hi, Benjamin. How are you? Very good. Thanks, Tony. Yourself? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, how's how's life in Singapore? Well, we're into uh, phase one is what the government is calling it now. We had two months of the circuit breaker when we're all staying at home. And this is phase mm. one from June 1st, where a lot of businesses have slowly started to open, but we have been told to stay at home as well. So we continue on staying safe at home, but uh, looking forward to getting out eventually. Well, aren't we all? <laughs> aren't we all? Yeah. It's, uh, so you've been you've been on a lockdown. I, 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 I hear Singapore was one of these places where you know, we're all looking to as being uh, held up as a model of, you know, how to deal with a pandemic. Did, did, has, has there been many cases in, uh, in Singapore? There's been a, quite a lot of cases, 32,000, but a lot of these cases have come from a part of the community called the dormitory workers, which is the foreign workers who work on the construction sites who all live in very close quarters here. Uh, the government's done a fantastic job in communication. They created an app straight away. There's been a lot of contact tracing. Whenever you mm. move into anywhere, you're getting your details taken. And that's been ongoing for the last two or three months when you've been allowed out to the supermarkets or whatever. So the government, I think I think what you've seen in Asia, places like Singapore, South Korea, China, because of the SARS pandemic in 2003, they were well more versed in preparations for this. So Singapore suffered quite heavily in SARS in terms of the death count. So they really put a lot of uh, things in place in hospitals and stuff like that for in case it ever happened again, and so it did. So that's why we set that way. Yeah, I hear they've been very good on the track and trace, which uh, you know is something we're we're just implementing now. <laughs> and we're a small island as well, right? So it's a much much easier to keep track of everyone, and it's a much more kind of obedient nation as well. I hear that. I hear that as well. Yeah. Well, look. You know, obviously, uh, I'm, I'm, I know a little bit about you, Ben, but perhaps um, could you give me the, the, the potted history of your career? Because it's, it's an interesting one. You bring a perspective which I was keen to have on the show. Sure, sure. So I was actually, um, I started my career in advertising in New Zealand as an account manager, and I didn't really like it that much. And having uh, European parents, I moved to Paris when I was around 23, 24 years old, and I worked for an interbrand 
which was a startup there. And I did that for a while. And then I left that job because it wasn't going very well. And I was having to uh, cold call clients in French, which uh, given my French wasn't great. And I don't like cold calling. It wasn't kind of the best combination. So living in France, I didn't really know what to do. Took a course to teach English as a foreign language. Did that. Started teaching English as a foreign language to businesses. Moved to England. Became a school teacher for a year. But realized that teaching is very repetitive, but I really liked working with people and developing people and attracting people. So I got a job at an advertising agency called Saatchi and Saatchi in their HR department, started working with their HR team for a while. And then just over time, over a couple of year period, I kind of just navigated into more of a talent acquisition role before they were called talent acquisition. It wasn't really a thing then, but I suddenly just found myself being very good at being able to find people, have a good intuition for the right people for the company. And from there, I uh, stayed in London for a couple more years. And then, then I took a role within Saatchi. I got transferred to the Middle East where I was the regional HR director for Saatchi and Saatchi across uh, Saudi Arabia, Dubai, uh, Lebanon, and Cairo, Egypt. And that role was, I got to there and the agency wasn't doing very well at all and I had to rebuild the whole leadership team. So that gave me my first kind of exposure onto doing big senior hires in terms of hiring a regional CEO, a regional creative director, a regional planning director, and building a team that had to work together as well. So, you know, you've got to hire people who are going to fit the chemistry for each other. So understanding those kind of dynamics. So that was a really interesting experience. And then because that ended up being quite successful, I got transferred down to Australia because they had similar problems with their leadership teams and it was kind of another rebuild. So once again, have to put that kind of structure into place. I, I lived in Australia for a year, working across Australia and New Zealand, and then I moved back to London for a couple of years where I had a global talent role where I was responsible for leading a team of talent people around the world and also leading all the senior searches and roles. Then I got transferred to Singapore because I was doing a lot of my work was focusing on China and Singapore. And so they asked me to move out here, which I did five years ago. Then Saatchi was part of a holding company called Publicist Group. I got moved into the holding company for a year in a global talent role, which was leading a lot of the recruitment across a few different agency brands. And then I got approached by Essence, which was a digital media company. And they Google is their biggest client. They, had, they were growing a lot in Asia. When I joined, we had 200 people. And when I left, we had 600 people. So in 18 months, mm -hmm. we tripled in size. So I was responsible for building all that up, opening a couple of new offices and scaling. So it's been a really, and now, right now, I'm uh, shortly about to launch a tech recruitment platform for the contract market in Singapore. It's called Giggers. So this is an exciting time for contract workers. We've all seen the remote working now, especially during this pandemic, has been a big trial run for the world, right? So now is the time to strike. It's something that we've been working on for a while now. And I think there's a really opportunity now so people can control their careers better and have better experiences. Yeah, I think uh, an exciting time for contractors. I'm hearing the same sort of thing that, uh, you know, companies are looking to uh, control 
their costs, their timelines, and and source people on a contract basis to work on specific projects. That seems to be their preferred method at the moment. For what from what I'm seeing, uh, maybe that will move into more permanent hires as well moving forward. But uh, a very rich uh, background, you know, Saatchi and such is you know definitely one of those brands that in in the UK people remember because of course you know. Margaret Thatcher used them, and it was all you know. They were they were very very uh, uh, well regarded. The, the Tory Party used to use them every year, didn't they? Um, some some incredible growth there during a period when, uh, you know, over the last fifteen years, I've noticed companies are much keener to to try and develop their own in house recruitment capability. Um, and obviously, you've been part of that. How? How have you found that? What What have you? Are you have you been in a situation where you've been trying to, you know, reduce the the spend, the, the cost per hire for for the companies you've been involved with? Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of the reason is recruitment costs were quite high, and you know, for the cost of hiring someone as a full time person as opposed to who can fill 30, 40 roles in a year compared to what that cost would be for a recruitment company, you know, it makes sense from a business sense. However, it's also, I like to work with recruitment companies. I think, you know, they do have their niche, they do have their things. So it's not to say that it's one or the other. I think it's a case of having a balance. But also I think it's important to have talent people internally because you know the culture, you know, when I was hiring for a team, I have to. I would know all the other people who are on that team, so I know the kind of dynamics that we need, what the skill sets that will complement the other team, what kind of personality needs. Giving that to an external recruiter, they're just not going to get that. They're going to give you the best candidates on paper, but you know them. You know the things better that you're looking for. They're just hard to describe. They're not just the normal job description type things. Mm. You know. Um, I think, but I think a lot of it has probably started with the growth of platforms like LinkedIn, right? You know. Yep. And and before the internet, you had when you could search for people like this, you didn't have job boards, you didn't have that. It's much harder to find people. So there was a really big need for recruiters. Mm. Now, when you have LinkedIn, you've got everything at your fingertips. A lot of recruiters you see, you can brief them, and then you, they just post an ad on LinkedIn. So you're like, well, I could have done that, right? And you're still paying them 15, 20%, right? So mm. you know, maybe, of course, it's taking the time away off your plate so they're managing that process but i think linkedin was a big driver and a lot of companies then starting to create these talent acquisition roles as such yeah it's been an absolute game changer hasn't it uh, linkedin I, I i've been saying this from fairly early and it's it's absolutely changed the game um and made it completely different and and actually it's it's as much as it's presented an opportunity for companies to have their own talent acquisition teams uh, and it has it's presented great opportunities for headhunters like me uh, as well and i think it presents opportunities for individuals to showcase their talents their abilities to be found and i think increasingly if they're if they're clever um and think strategically to be more proactive um in their job search than, than just wait for somebody to tap them on the shoulder when you've when you've been doing recruitment obviously you've you've, you've used linkedin a lot i'm guessing you seem to have you know been involved in quite large numbers has there been always been a mix then uh, you know, I'm trying to think of the channels that you use. Have have you? Could you give us a sense of how much of that is sort of advertised selection? How much of it is um, using recruiters, and how much um, time and effort you put into direct sourcing? So I think it's, it kind of goes on level and roles and what the role is. You know, so for example, a lot of the junior roles, you're probably just going to put them on LinkedIn. 
because you've got a lot of people who can who are competent to do those so you can get people applying for them you're going to get a lot of applications for a more specialist role that's pretty hard to find i will look i would always probably have about five or six different recruitment companies that I would work with. So that I know, and they would all have different kind of specialties. So I would go to, I would know which one to go to for that kind of particular role. Mm-hmm. And then for the senior hires, the CEO or management roles that are going to be impacting the people, not just the business, people and business, I would be searching for those myself. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't really use those for, I wouldn't really be using job ads or anything like that for them. You know, this is a direct approach, tap on the shoulder, talking to people, do you know anyone who could be good for this? Because, you know, the best people are always in a job, right? They're not actively searching. I couldn't agree more. That's exactly how I see it. And it's, you know, I keep saying to people, I haven't haven't advertised a role in 10 years because I don't do much other than the senior level. And at the senior level, People don't respond to adverts. Not the one people do. Huge amounts of people do. Not the people that you want to to respond. You're much you're much better off using your time and effort to be sort of surgically laser precise in your in your approach um, because you probably have narrowed it down to you know they must have worked for this type of company in this type of role. Exactly. I mean, you have a kind of a good framework of what you're looking for, what kind of mm-hmm. skill set, and you know people. These days, they've probably spoken on quite a few panels. They've probably done. They've probably got a profile out there. So, you know, you can get a lot of good kind of intel videos on YouTube. They see things. You know, you can kind of get some good um, backgrounds on people before just a CV as well, right? And it's also you want to get people who've worked for people before. Recommendations are a huge thing. You know, uh, absolutely. I was going to ask you how much how much work, work goes through referrals in a business. Yeah. So, I mean, there's. There's internal referrals and then there's just referrals I use, you know, because I've met so many people, I've done a lot of interviewing. I've got a great mm-hmm. black book, so I can always just touch with, hey, what about this person? Do you know them? What did you think of working for them? Or do you, re-? mm-hmm. you know, and you can build up a kind of thing like that. Internal referrals is a really good way to, you know, you put a, some money behind it and you could inter- incentivize your own staff to kind of think about recruitment mm-hmm. as well, you know. And so everyone should always think about, you know, how do we get the best talent in our company? Because one of the real things I've noticed over the last you know, probably five to ten years more so is skill sets are so much more transferable than they ever were. You okay. know, if you were if you work in data analytics, you can work for a bank, you can work for a technology company, you can work for a media. Everyone's kind of after the same talent now, a lot more than it ever used to be. It wouldn't be like you worked at Procter and Gamble and you spent your whole career working yourself up until you got to that CMO role, the CEO role that you wanted. You know, people are much more happy to change and jump around careers now, and their skill sets allow them to. So while you can attract a lot of talent from different places, you're fighting to keep your own talent constantly as well. So you want to give people to kind of make sure that they're always thinking, how can we better this company bringing people in? I wonder if that's a, a factor of, you know, agencies of t- are taking over the world. I, I definitely think, you know, I look at the big sort of Cantars and the WPP, all those sorts of guys, they, they, they have morphed from what they used to be, you know, probably when you started in, in the world of advertising. They're now much, they're, they're, they're almost coming into this age of being advisory, almost management consultancies. They do a lot more, you know, the, the, the rise of data and digital has has created um, their role in the market morphing into something much more um, elaborate and sort of full service than it ever was. Um, so I, I don't know if that's part of, part of it, but, you know, 
Well, it's also what they create, right? You know, when yeah. I was actually back in the old days, you know, you're only ever creating a TV ad or a radio ad or a newspaper ad or a billboard. Mm. Now mm. what are you creating? You're creating content. You're, you're doing this company's Instagram profile. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many different mm. things that you have to work across. So people's skill sets are much more diverse than they ever were. Yeah, quite an exciting space, I think. Um, and, and I'm sure it's been exciting for you to be in it, particularly with that growth. I mean, when you're talking about hiring you know, like in, in the in the last role, you know, many yeah. hundreds of people over a period of time. How big was your team to achieve that? Because that seems, you know, so, seems incredible numbers. Yeah. So when I started, the team was like kind of three people. So one of the first things I did was realize that I needed to have a very strong leader to who mm-hmm. underneath me who could lead the team on the manage the day-to-day stuff. Because I was also mm-hmm. focusing on my HR things as well. So again, you know, I didn't advertise this role. I had it in my head. I just looked across LinkedIn. I knew what I wanted, you know, being in Singapore and being a white male, I was very conscious that I wanted to have female. I wanted to have someone who was Singaporean. So I found a lady, I found her profile on LinkedIn, you know, just searching through, looking at things. She'd worked at a startup called Lazada, which is a big um, online shopping platform in Singapore. She'd also actually worked at LinkedIn she was now consulting for with a startup for recruitment agencies. And I just dropped her an email out of the blue, just said, Hey, you've got a really cool profile. We've got some people in common. Why don't we meet up for a coffee? Mm. So we met up for a coffee and after an hour, I just was talking to her about what she wanted to do with her career and this. And I said, well, what about if I offered you this? Mm. And she was like, well, I didn't realize this was a job interview. And I was like, <laughs> well, that's the whole point because if you had, you probably wouldn't have been interested. Mm. Right. So, you know, and, and with her, then we built the team through that. So I said one of the things she wanted to do was build a team. And I said, great, well, let's build a team together. Let's get someone who's great at campus recruitment. Let's get someone who's got a search background. Let's get someone who can do a lot of data analytics. And so we can build that team together. We put some people in India. So we had a team of about eight or nine people to help manage all that and just divided it up by function. Everyone had their own responsibilities. It's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it, how, how, how it can work like that now. You can – a conversation – can certainly lead to so much more if you you have to be open to these things um i don't know how 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 open do you find people are because i find you know in certain countries in which i operate in the states almost everyone will talk to you in the uk it can be a little bit harder um in mainland europe you know the dutch are great uh that they'll speak to me the french are a little more reserved there's there's definitely you know different countries react differently to being headhunted but i would always argue to people uh, something I always say is your boss is getting head hunted and I bet he takes the call. Um, because exactly. he, he, that's why he's got to that level because he reacts to opportunities as they come around. Exactly. And, you know, when people, you know, and obviously I've had people in my team and who work for me or with me and they, you know, they've said they're leaving or they've got this approach. And I'm like, Look, that's a great opportunity. You should take that. You know, we can't have everyone, if everyone stayed in the same jobs forever, nothing would ever change. So, mm. you know, I think it's always good to see what else is, is out there. I mean, I, I think you want to be able to understand what your value is as well. Mm. You know, I think a lot of the time you, if you've been in the same job for four or five years, you're probably getting incremental pay increases or not, but so you could get a 25, 30% leap and a better opportunity. I mean, why wouldn't you want to listen to that? Right. And then you can weigh it up. But yeah, you know, and like that, I mean, having done it so many times to people, I can't be <laughs> hypocritical and not let the people who work for me do these things, but I'm constantly doing it for people externally trying to bring them in. Right. That's my attitude as well. I just think, you know, yeah. uh, p- people, you know, uh, uh, get opportunities that come their way. There can be huge bumps. Uh, I've seen it as you have, you know, 25, 30% in certain markets. If you just happen to have 
the right skills and experience at the right time and the right opportunity comes your way, you know, you, you probably you really should look at that. As I say, it's, it's, it's only sensible to do so and to take that opportunity and ride it and see whether it, uh, it, it is the right one for you. So yeah, I, I completely agree with that as well. Um, what do you see the sort of, you know, a little bit of future gazing, where do you see the market going now? I, I, you know, we're sort of all worrying that, um, you know, the job market is, is perhaps suppressed right now. Um, I don't know whether uh, your last business was continuing to hire through this crisis, but I get the sense there are some companies that are and there's some that aren't. What's your sense of things? Yeah, I think we're still a little bit early to tell as well. I think a lot of companies probably just stopped straight away with the lockdown because it had an immediate impact on their business, you know, especially if you're in hospitality, the travel industry, mm. F&B, you know, straight away you're going to have to make changes. There's going to be a longer-term play for other companies, you know, especially agencies or media companies because you'll see clients will stop spending further down the track, etc., like that. So it's hard to tell. I mean, finance, that's always that's always going to be precarious in these kind of pandemic situations. Mm. So I think you're going to see some short-term loss for sure. It's going to, I think technology is going to be huge. Cybersecurity is a massive industry. Healthcare are all going to grow. Mm. So I think we're going to see new industries kind of blossom out from this and existing ones get stronger. Yeah, I think that's true. What, what would you, I guess this is another question I always like to ask the recruiters because I, I love their perspective on it. You know, if you were a job seeker right now, given everything that's that's happening, you know, and and the the sort of COVID nineteen pandemic, um, what would you do if you were if you were in a situation where perhaps I don't know, you were at risk of redundancy or it was happening, uh, and you found yourself in the market for maybe the first time in a few years, what are the things that you would do to try and um, I guess win out against the competition and and get that next role? Sure. Well, I'd identify the companies that I would want to work for in the industry. So if I want to stay in the same industry, which are the five companies that I want to work for and why would I like to work for them, Mm -hmm. then I would use LinkedIn to find somehow how can I connect with the talent acquisition people on there. Mm -hmm. We'll try and connect with them, drop them or not. But I would also try and get their work email address as well. So find out what the work email address is, which is not very hard to find out for every company. You can find out how the thing is like that and email Mm -hmm. through that just to make connections and then I would also speak to, I'd only speak to one or two recruiters, probably find out who are the best recruiters in that space because you don't want to go to five recruiters and then they're all saying your name or something like that because you're only going to cause riffraff, right? Build one or two tight relationships with a couple of recruiters and say them your situation and also tell them up front, look, I've talked to this company already, I've talked to this, but this is what I'm open for, right? So I think like that, you know, I don't, and also, you know, LinkedIn is interesting. I mean, it's, you have your job boards on there, but it's a social network. Like things appear on there all the day in your feed. The more people you're connected with and how the algorithms work, you can see a lot of interesting content and see things like that might be interesting that you wouldn't have thought of, like a company you'd never heard of. You might go, wow, that's actually really interesting what they're doing. Maybe I should talk to them, something like that. So just be much more aware of what you're looking at, right? Not just be that. Keep all options open. Yeah, absolutely. But put yourself, just put yourself out there is what yes, I would be- say. Start Be proactive. Creating LinkedIn. Start creating content on LinkedIn. Yeah. I posted a lot of stuff on LinkedIn because I wanted to get my profile out there because I want to be able to attract people. And also I know that how the LinkedIn connections work, if you're connected to this person, you get access to their second connections. If I had people from different industries all connected with me, I can then get into their thing. So when I'm doing searches for unusual roles, I have a whole big platform of people to look at, right? 
But the way to generate more and more connections is to write stuff, is to create your own content, having people comment on it, liking it, getting it shared, things like that. So you've got to, you know, t- be proactive and take it by the horns and start doing it yourself. Not just saying to a recruiter, yeah, I want a new job. It doesn't work like that anymore. They're not going to find you something because they're going to have to put 100 people, they've got 100 candidates for one wrong, right? So you might not even be one of the five they choose to put forward. So, you know. Yeah, couldn't agree with uh, more with that. I think that's you've got to be proactive. You've got to have a plan. You've got to put yourself out there in a way that uh, that makes sense. But be controlled in that plan. Don't yeah, not don't, don't be scattergun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you you know, particularly the way that you handle recruiters and you have them working for you. I would always say, you know, give them a set of a, a target list of companies that they can explore and and limit them to that. Other than when they bring you an opportunity and then you say yes or no, but don't let them. Uh, run wild with your CV uh, because that can be very, very dangerous. Uh, so no, I agree with all that. Look, I really appreciate your time and, and, and effort on this. I really do. Um, do you want to give us a, one last um, bit of information about the uh, the new platform that you're creating, whether you've got a website up or not? Yes. Yeah, so we'll be launching in a few weeks now. It's called Giggers. It'll be giggers.com. And it's basically for the gig economy, which is how we're seeing a lot of the big tech companies now are all hiring people on contracts, whether that's three months, six months, one year, 12 months, uh, two, two years. Mm-hmm. And it's giving the giga is the flexibility of, you know, building up their own profile and they join the site. We will have vetted the candidates before they get on the site. And then companies will be paying us a subscription model and they'll be able to access all the people on the platform and contact the giga directly. So the giga can always have his next, he or she can have their next role lined up. But also it's not a job board where they're searching for roles. They're getting approached themselves and picking and choosing the ones they want to go for because we're seeing this now as a much more aspirational thing that people want in their careers. They want to experience different companies, different markets, different projects. And as these, a lot of these tech companies are expanding into different areas, whether they go food delivery, whether they're going um, transport delivery or logistics, whatever they're doing, or social networking, whatever they're doing, they need people for different projects with people with different skill sets. They don't want to have these people on their books the whole time, They'll only, but they want quality and they can't get them quick enough. So we're providing a platform that gives you quality vetted talent quicker. Brilliant. Yeah, it sounds very, very interesting, uh, uh, exciting times. Thank you very much, Ben. Thanks for, for your, for your uh, time today. It's been brilliant. Yeah, great. Thank you. All the best. Take care. Cheers. Well, there you go. A little bit of an insight into how the larger companies uh, use their talent acquisition teams um, to help them recruit uh, and even actually to go after their senior staff and do some uh, direct headhunting themselves. So, you know, well worth uh, understanding how that works. And of course, if you are active in the job market at the moment, you may well want to build some relationships with these guys in the companies of your choice. Um If you are an active job seeker, I would advise you to go to my site, careermovesecrets.com and sign up for the free Job Search Masterclass, which will really help you understand how recruitment really works. Of course, if you're really keen to give a kickstart to your uh, job search, then of course, you may well want to invest in my full premium Career Move Secrets course, which is available at the same website. Uh, I hope you're enjoying these podcasts. If you are, please subscribe because there will be more Career Move Secrets podcasts coming very soon.